0: Well, what uh, we see now increasingly is a manipulation of information during war. Now, that is not new. What is new is the way in which digital technology and social media have made it possible to escalate and amplify this misinformation, disinformation, hate speech, propaganda, and to target civilians, uh, to target civilians with hate speech, incitement of violence, acts on especially vulnerable uh, groups and that is extremely dangerous because information is a valuable asset during war. You use information to save your life, but when that information is turned against you, it puts civilians in a very vulnerable and dangerous situation.
1: We talked about similarities, now I want to talk about differences. Yes. We have now a major war going on in Europe, of course. The first yes. one in the era of digital Uh, assets and all this, uh, you know, kind of social media. Do you see something unique to this war, to this situation? Well, what we see in this
0: war is a manipulation of information and an information blackout uh, that has absolutely never been seen before. And I'm talking about what is happening inside Russia, where, through various means, Uh, independent media has been totally wiped out and there is no news but news produced by the state and that is very very rare and secondly the propaganda that was used to incite uh, people's feelings before the war propaganda about Ukrainian Ukrainian regime being Nazi and so on that then allowed to create a narrative within which the invasion then took place. So on both sides, first you shut off all the taps of the news, and secondly, you create only one narrative, uh, a false narrative to provoke war. That has been incredibly rare um, and and very, very dangerous, because it sends a message across the world to others uh, who can also manipulate the system to that extent.
1: In your report, you mentioned that propaganda is not prohibited by international law but uh, we see the role radio played in uh, genocide in Rwanda for example how do you see the subtle line you know between yeah. two well you know propag- every government uh, creates propaganda
0: whether it's a western democratic government a developing country or uh, others uh, propaganda itself governments live to sell the news they have to market themselves what is prohibited under international law is propaganda for war uh, you cannot use propaganda to promote war during war, you may have propaganda because each side will want to mobilize their people to fight the war or to defend themselves. That, uh, in- international law is actually quite tolerant um, of, of information during war, uh, and that is also problematic and I'll come back to that in a minute. But propaganda itself is not prohibited. What is prohibited is information that is harmful, whether that is hate speech or whether that is propaganda for war. That is what is uh, uh, prohibited. Now, what you mentioned about genocide in Rwanda is very interesting. There was no social media at that time. It was local radio that was used to incite people. So traditional media uh, also has a role to play here. And even to this day, with all the digital technology and social media around the world, the main source of information for most people during war is still your tradition. traditional legacy media. And there we see state-controlled media as a major source of disinformation and hate speech, often during conflicts.
1: From what you say, I heard that uh, the propaganda before the war and for war is prohibited, but propaganda during the war is okay. Propaganda, uh, yes, international humanitarian law is interesting. Propaganda during
0: the war is okay, but not information that is likely to harm civilians or commit war crimes or commit crimes against humanity. Sure, governments are not going to tell the other. The one side will not tell the other side where its soldiers are. They will not see how many tanks or, or uh, ammunition they have. You don't expect armies to tell the truth to each other. That is understandable in war. And international humanitarian law recognizes that. But what you cannot do is use information to trap civilians. Mm-hmm. Use information lie that might hurt civilians or to incite hatred so that uh, attacks take place on civilians. That is forbidden at any time.
1: Yeah, I I know that you mentioned in your report as an example of this, as uh, propaganda turned people against humanitarian workers. Exactly. And we have seen examples of that in in a number of
0: countries, in in Syria, for example, where um, humanitarian actors uh, were accused of doing non-humanitarian work. And that created a risk for them. Um, there have been situations where the International Red Cross has been attacked uh, by, by governments, by one of the warring parties that didn't like what the ICRC was doing, and therefore spread rumors about ICRC. And when you disrupt humanitarian operations, you are actually depriving civilians of much needed assistance. And you are also creating a toxic environment. You know, You're dropping poison into the water. Uh, and and that means that people don't know what information to believe anymore and if you cannot believe in facts you cannot trust anyone and if you cannot trust you cannot begin to talk about peace you cannot have reconciliation so it has a huge damaging impact on civilians on humanitarian action and on peace
1: processes. with all these uh, consequences and uh, very difficult consequences you still say that uh, media outlets should not be shut down or banned, and uh, I, the one of the examples of course the European Commission banned uh, Russian outlets uh, media mm-hmm. outlets uh, so what is your take on that
0: well you see uh, we all uh, talk about disinformation we see the damage that disinformation manipulated information does but there is no common agreed definition of what is disinformation I have been accused as the UN special rapporteur by some governments who don't like my reports, who don't like my criticism, that I am producing false news. Uh, reliable news outlets are labeled as fake news. UN reports are denigrated, and government propaganda is put out as facts. You know, So the whole issue is being turned on its head. What is right and what is wrong, there is no agreement on that. And in that kind of a situation, the best approach, the best strategy, is to have free flow of information, particularly information sources that are verifiable, that are reliable, and educate and empower people with digital literacy, with media literacy, with information literacy, so that they can make their judgments. To try to turn off media to censor is a very dangerous thing, because every government will want to censor that part of information that they don't like. The powerful will want to stop criticism of themselves, and that's when you land into trouble. Uh, In the European Union, media is free. There are many different points of view. Uh, RT, uh, yes, RT is a source of disinformation, misinformation, false propaganda, but who would have believed RT? That's that's the question. If European democracy is strong and has strong media freedom, and that is Europe's position, then why shut down uh, uh, a media outlet totally, allow people to make their judgment, allow the regulators, the independent regulators, to judge what can or cannot be said. That is what, for example, Switzerland is doing.
1: Another example from your report the Metra, the company that owns Facebook. They censored, uh, of course, um, the posts and uh, from ordinary people and organizations, but they allowed, uh, explicitly allowed Ukrainians to express their anger toward um, Russian military.
0: Uh, the position that I and my predecessor in this position have also taken is that platforms, Meta, Twitter, Google, and others, should be guided by human rights they should apply human rights standards. It is not about supporting Ukraine versus Russia or supporting Russia versus Ukraine. It is about applying universal human rights standards. Now, if Meta was to apply those human rights standards and humanitarian principles, they would not allow uh, disinformation from Russia and they would not allow either disinformation uh, from Ukrainians either. So that would strengthen their position as impartial, strong, a global organization. That's why social media platforms should be based on human rights standards and not on their own company policy. They will be pulled in one direction or the other. Governments have are political animals, they have political interests. What we have to do is bring in the human interest uh, through respect for human rights.
1: So you also mentioned in your report that uh, some restrictions during the war might be justified. Yes. So can uh, then Russian government argue that their are laws and... You know, well, international
0: okay. hu- human rights law and humanitarian law are not unreasonable. They were made by governments, after all, and they recognize that during times of war there are security needs, uh, public order requirements and so on, and it is possible to do what one says, derogate from freedom of expression. It is not an absolute right. There are restrictions that can be placed. But those restrictions have to be reasonable, necessary, and legitimate. That is where I would question Russia's restrictions. Russia's restrictions are totally unreasonable. To p- criminalize uh, any news other than news that is coming from government sources is going way beyond any kind of restriction that is necessary during war. Is there any legal basis to punish propagandists, uh, those who call for war? There is, of course, there is very clearly in the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, it states very clearly that propaganda for war is prohibited under international law. You have to remember that these human rights treaties were made in the aftermath of the Second World War. The world had seen how much damage can be done. Um, by war. And therefore, propaganda for war is totally forbidden. You cannot, as, as states in the modern world, uh, under human rights law, ask uh, for war or aggression. That is prohibited, absolutely. Uh, as, as is hate speech. And what is hate speech? Hate speech is advocacy of hatred to create uh, incitement, to, uh, to, to, to promote discrimination, hostility, violence, against others on grounds of race, religion, uh, nationality, or gender. Um, so these, the, this, not all kinds of speech is allowed. This kind of speech should be prohibited. But other than that, the presumption is that freedom of expression free, is, is a very valuable right. You need it. We saw it during COVID. You need it to protect health you need it for education, for, you need it uh, for democracy, for fair elections, and free flow of information and media freedom, independent, pluralistic, uh, diverse uh, media, those are very powerful instruments for democracy and development.
1: In this worsening and difficult situation, what gives you hope? What we as people can do to stop this or maybe change the situation? Well, you know, as a human rights advocate,
0: I'm a hopemonger. If if you believe in human rights, you have to believe in hope. I I have hope because I can see uh, from information that I'm getting from civil society, from projects and things that I uh, get through my research, I can see from ground up, from the grassroots up, a real flowering of people's desire to communicate, to reach out, to work together. And I see many projects coming up uh, with media, for example. Uh, with verification of information but very much so with digital and media literacy that empowering people is the most important way. And you know in Finland um, they do that at the elementary school. Children are taught to recognize what is right and wrong and what drawing is correct and what is not. So you build up these skills in people so that they can make decisions and I call on Uh, the social media platforms, empower the user, see the user as a rights holder so we can turn off. Empowering people, I think, is a very powerful tool and I see that happening more and more in the future with the younger generation who understand digital technology much better than us. They have digital skills, we need to give them digital literacy. So people on the one hand, cooperation from uh, social media platforms, recognizing, and from governments, recognizing that information is not a market commodity. Information and expression are public goods, and public goods have to be preserved for the well-being of people, and that's why uh, public interest media is also important. I think if we can get that formula right, uh, then I think we can overcome this problem.
1: What would you advise to ordinary social media users, listeners, uh, readers? How can they protect themselves from this flow of misinformation? and uh, others. Well,
0: my advice to them would be understand uh, social media before you go in there, understand it and ask questions Um, even for, uh, you know, news should be verifiable so check and cross-check and build uh, your own sort of uh, faith in the news through that method. You don't have to believe everything that you see at first instance. Whether you are on this side of politics or on that side of politics, question, ask questions. And I ask media to do the same as well. Don't just buy news that you get from your government, ask questions. And so if we all ask questions and then make up our mind, I think we will be better off. But we have to believe in information, we have to preserve our possibility of asking questions. The trouble is sometimes through censorship, we're cut off from being asked questions. So it's very important to have open free flow of information and people's ability to to check and ask questions